Today's podcast is brought to you by Go Hunt Explore mapping system. Um, Go Hunt has created this mapping system exclusively for hunters, and it includes all 50 states and the basics like public and private land, as well as their one of a kind features like terrain analysis tool and interactive 3D glassing mode. If you haven't already, go to gohunt.com, use the codes to healthy30 at checkout before July 31st, and you'll get 30% off. That helps to support our podcast and introduces you to a really great new mapping system. So go to gohunt.com, check the Explorer mapping system and get 30% off with Stealthy 30. Okay, everybody, part two of uh, the podcast with Ryan Muncy and Mike Lum. This is it. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to chat about a lot of things, including backcountry nutrition, backcountry meals, and we are going to talk about metabolic flexibility and the limbic system. So these are, I love talking with these guys because we get a little bit of like down to earth, you know, real like stuff and then we get lots of like neuroscience and and health and um mental mental stuff so i i really enjoyed this podcast again if you want to learn more about ryan and mike um, go to ryanmuncie.com and fuelthepursuit.com check out ryan's book f your feelings excellent book on mindset and performance Oh, and one other thing in this podcast, Ryan makes a comment that his Instagram was hacked. That was back in May when we recorded this. So he does have his Instagram back. It's a great place to go learn about more what, uh, more about what he's doing. Ryan Muncy underscore. And then Mike Lum is at Hunt Fish, Hunt Fish Harvest Cook. That's a long one, kind of like Hunt Harvest Health. Hunt Fish Harvest Cook on Instagram. Um, and also make sure to go and support any of our partners in the show notes that you see there. Um, they help to keep our podcast alive. So we've got codes and um, links in the show notes. So please go and check those partners out. All right. Part two with Ryan Muncy and Mike alum. Enjoy. So now that we've talked about the heart rate variability, Ryan, maybe we can touch a little bit on the limbic system because I think that this is an important part of the brain that a lot of people, again, um, the autonomic nervous system resides within the limbic system. Is that correct? Am I saying yeah, it's so right? It's in this area <laughs> of the limbic system. And so that, that, air, that part of the brain has a lot of different functions in the body body so it, it does have a lot yeah. yeah so you mentioned earlier that the title of the book may not be uh, an accurate one and, and and i tend to agree with that statement um one of the other working titles was the neuroscience of high performance but we figured that would scare a lot of people away <laughs> it, it would sound like a college textbook um, yeah you know so so we had to go with something a little bit lowbrow and you know kind of trick people to picking up the book um but it's also self-talk you know, um, when, you know, like Ryan said earlier, when I see that deer or, or, you know, if I see a bull somewhere and, um, you know, I know what I want and then when I'm looking at, you know, what it's going to take to get there, it's like, well, you know, it doesn't matter how you feel. That's the thing you want. Go get it. Right. Hold um, on. Let me interject. I don't mean to interrupt you. We had this very conversation yesterday with our teenage daughter who is in track and she hates the mile. 
and she didn't do too good in her mile the last two track meets well dad wasn't there at the last when i watched it i was like yeah she didn't do very good i don't think she's a, and and she's like dad i don't want to do the mile and ryan's like i don't really care what you feel like you want to do you're going to run the mile and she's like he's like you need to do hard things and she's like but i hate the mile he's like yeah i don't care if you hate it i don't care if you don't like it like you're going to do it and my nature as a mom is to be like, don't be so hard on her. Like, don't make her do it if she doesn't want to. It's it's not good for her. It's stressing her out. And he's like, he basically, in all your words, F your feelings, basically. Like, I don't really care what your feelings are about it. You need to do it because it's pushing you to do something hard, right? And in a lot of ways, I guess sometimes we need people to just tell us those things that whatever you feel is not always representative of like what's actually happening, right? Like you need sometimes to go beyond what you feel. And then you might realize you are actually good at this. If you quit telling yourself that you suck at this, maybe you could actually be good at this, right? But anyways, that's my well, yeah, interjection. It's one of those things where she's, she's, she's good at a couple events and she's she there's one event and it's the mile that she just struggles with because she it's hard it's hard for her she like feels physical pain when she runs it to try to keep up with the other gals so yeah. i mean because she likes the other events and she's pretty good at them um yeah i want her to do hard things i don't think any i don't think any of us shouldn't or should shy away from doing those things that that pain is just temporary it's mm -hmm. it's once you're done and you've accomplished it and you've done better than your previous time, you're going to feel better about it. So now that's, I, um, I can see Hill definitely wants to, when we have these conversations about doing hard things in the moment, say, Oh, don't, don't make her do this. But, um, I'm on the opposite end of that. I think all kids need to do things that challenge them that aren't easy. Um, mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, we're, we're going into a space here where we're allowing them to do only the easy and that's not setting us up well for the future. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I would say everybody needs to do hard things, not just kids. Um, but it, you know, in, in where I was going with the, the title and, and, you know, um, there's another reason that that's the title of the book. And, and in early in the book, um, I, I introduced some research from a guy named Antonio Damasio, um, cognitive behavioralist who, um, through his work, discovered that as many as 95% of our decisions are made based on how we feel in that moment that we make the decision. Um, and you know, 95% is a large number. I always tell people don't get hung up on the number, even if it's 80, 85%, whatever. If 80% of the decisions that you make in your life are made based on how you feel in any given moment, you are never going to achieve the things that you say you want to achieve. Um, and, and the bigger that goal is, the more micro decisions you will face along the way, because it will take a, a, the bigger the goal, the longer the timeline to reach it, right? And so the longer the timeline, the more micro decisions, that's more opportunities to make a decision based on how you feel, instead of making a decision based on your goals or your values, right? And I said that earlier. So with, with the awareness creates choice piece, in those moments of awareness, we want to choose based on goals or values, not based on feelings. And um, 
you know, talking about the limbic system, feelings are part of the limbic system. Neuroscience defines feelings as mental experiences of physiological states. Um, and so one of the beautiful things about that is if we know that we can change our physiological state, then we can change our mental experience. And so you've all seen, everybody's seen the meme that says you're, you know, 30 minutes away from, you know, a, a workout in a better mood. You know, if I put 30 seconds on the clock and told you to do as many burpees as you could in 30 seconds, your physiology will be different in 35 seconds. And therefore, your uh, emotional state will be different in 35 seconds. Right. And so um, breath is another readily available tool to change our physiology and, and therefore our emotional mental state. Um, and, and again, we can talk more about some of those tools later, but the important thing here, you know, to, to Hillary's question about the limbic system, um, you know, the limbic system is one of the oldest parts of our brains. It's designed to keep us alive. Um, I always use the uh, example of, you know, if we're walking through the woods and you see a snake, what's the first thing you do? Like in, in, in your head, see yourself like, so you guys, Ryan and Hillary are walking through the woods and Ryan, you see the snake before Hillary does and it's on the path. What's the first thing you do? I stop and would probably. <laughs> Ryan is like, thanks for the one thing Ryan hates back. more than anything. Yeah. Right. So, so like. Snakes don't bother me. <laughs> so what's, what, what oh, happens freeze. first? Do you, freeze. Oh, freeze. Yeah. Do, do you put your hand in front of Hillary or do you tell her there's a snake? No, I'd push her in front of me. Yeah, no, I'd grab her. No, so, he'll do so, this. He'll exactly right. Get so her, if, eat her. If, if you're if you're not watching, Hillary did the the Seinfeld stop short, right? <laughs> yeah. And so so that's the that's the limbic system, right? So language is part of the the prefrontal or neocortex. It's language is a more evolved portion of our brain, and it takes more time. It's a slower response a slower reaction than the physical like limbic system like the jerk just you can put your hand in front of somebody and physically hold them back in less time than it takes you to use language and say stop snake it's the same thing when you're driving in a car you, you put your hand out it's 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 almost an involuntary response that, and that, that i've noticed right yeah. absolutely um that analogy like the car thing um, when you're about to get into a fender bender or a wreck, mm -hmm. it, it's strange because I've been in both sides, the driver and the passenger, whereas immediately, mm -hmm. like it's put your hand over mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. to stop mm -hmm. the other person from going forward. Yeah. yeah. And and so I use those examples to demonstrate the speed at which the limbic system works. And so the way that this will play out in, in most daily life scenarios is you're walking through the co-op in, in Bozeman and you see the cookies and you have that limbic response of, oh my God, those things smell good. I want those. And then the second response from the prefrontal cortex that's always second and always slower is, oh, but I'm on a diet. Oh, but I'm not eating gluten. Oh, I shouldn't do those things, right? And so then what, what happens when people don't understand the difference between these two systems is we begin to insert judgment and guilt um, and even shame at having one response before the other. Why do I always uh, have that response when I see pizza? Um, why do I always have that response when I see baked goods, right? It's natural. It's always going to happen. 
But just because we have the limbic response doesn't mean that we have to give into it, right? And so just to kind of further distinguish the two, um, I, I use the examples for um, the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex. They're, they're sort of parallel universes that are playing tug of war at all times in our head. And if you can envision kind of the old school cartoons of um, like an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder. Um, the, the devil is the limbic system. Um, it, it is the ego-driven teenager who is incapable of seeing beyond the present moment. Whereas the prefrontal cortex is the wise old sage who is capable of abstract thought and ideas of ghosts and gods and, and things like that, uh, language, right? Those things don't exist in the limbic system. They're in a different portion of the brain. And, you know, again, we, we all have these two reactions to almost everything. We'll have the immediate and, and first limbic reaction, and then we'll have the second prefrontal cortex reaction. Um, and so, Again, coming back to that awareness piece, just being aware that, hey, this is how the brain works. There's nothing wrong with me for, for having these reactions or these responses. This is natural. I, I can now choose, you know, do I want to react emotionally or do I want to respond based on my goals and values and use logic and ration and, and think through this thing and, you know, go that way. Um, now, that's not to say that the limbic system is all bad. You know, we just gave the example of the car, the snake, whatever, like it, it would not have survived evolution if it didn't have some kind of advantage. So obviously there are times where we want that quick and immediate response, but the problem becomes when it oversteps its bounds and it is a self-regulating system. And so, you know, if you look throughout the world, any system that is self-regulating tends to overstep its bounds. And so it's up to us to be vigilant and keep an eye on it and kind of keep it in check. All right. Um, I think too, you had a, a case in the book about a man who got his, was is it prefrontal, the frontal uh, cerebral yep. cortex injured and he was not able to make decisions. So yep. like that prefrontal cortex is also helping us actually make decisions on whether or not we're going to take the cookie or not and like you had this case about a guy who got that injured and like he it literally take him all day long to make a decision mm -hmm. about like so, where are we going to eat for yep. lunch it would take him all day long he couldn't make yep. a decision so that was Demacio's research uh, that guy was a, a patient of Demacio's and, and that was the individual that led him to that conclusion of 95 percent of our decisions are based on how we feel because um, those those small decisions, he was unable to um, come up with uh, a, a choice, like you said. So, you know, you think, oh, where are we going to go for lunch? That that doesn't really seem like a complicated thing. But, you know, I, I do bring that one up a lot of times, like if, if we're in a workshop, right? Or so like, let's say you guys are, you have the, the summit and let's say you guys were doing that in Bozeman and you just said, hey, you know, this person sitting in the front row, like you're in charge, you have to figure out where we're going to go for lunch. And immediately that person starts thinking about things that they weren't taking into consideration before. Well, how many people do we have? What's our time frame? Should we order it in? Do we need to go somewhere? Do we have to call ahead? You know, what are the types of foods that would be most agreeable for, you know, a wide variety of people? Um, you know what, let's just order pizza and have it delivered, right? So 
Like there's a lot of tiny decisions that have to go into where we're going to go for lunch. And without that portion of his brain, this guy, I think his name was Elliot. I can't remember. Um, Elliot was not able to come to a conclusion for any of those smaller um, I guess decisions, and then ultimately couldn't make the the final choice of, of you know where to go for lunch. Hmm. Interesting. Also, the limbic system has the amygdala, right? So the amygdala is uh, an emotional center. We know it in medicine a lot with uh, PTSD and trauma and these old memories, that kind of thing. I think smell is also intricately woven into the limbic system. So, like you know, you smelled the cookies cooking and you immediately flash back to your grandma like smell is so in that part of your brain as well it is and, and that's one of the um i guess lesser known facts about memory is that there is always an emotional component attached to that memory when we store memories we attach them, uh, an emotion to it and so um it's one of the reasons that you know if we sit and think about those things that we can we can recreate those feelings um and so i haven't done any of the research and looked into the the, the long covid or post covid connection there but um i mean it makes sense understanding you know if we understand how memory and, and those connections are made and um it, it would make sense that that's impacted but the brain is amazing so what does metabolic flexibility mean mike you want to take this one uh sure sure I'll, okay I'll go ahead and this one. <laughs> <laughs> um um so um I, i'm i'm gonna assume that, that most of your listeners are fairly savvy so i won't go too far into like macronutrients and whatnot but just in in general right macronutrients um in, in our food protein fats and carbohydrates right and so generally speaking how we tend to eat particularly in the u.s is is a high carbohydrate um and so carbon go back just a little bit carbohydrates and fats are are two sources that our body uh, can use as fuel. Protein in certain uh, circumstances can be used as fuel, but generally is for kind of repair and rebuilding of, of, our, of our, you know, our cells, our bodies and whatnot. Um, so um, the, the way we eat, we tend to eat in this country is, is, is super high carbohydrate. And the why that is, we, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast, I'm sure. But um, so when, when we talk about the idea of metabolic flexibility, it is, um, it, it's really a natural state of our body. And it, and it is, the ability for our bodies to use both carbohydrates and fats as fuel. Um, and, and they're sort of, they're a little bit different metabolically. Um, carbohydrates are generally really fast, fast burning. Um, and that's why you talk about, you know, bonking and whatnot. That's, there's a, there's a whole uh, industry around the gels and the goos and whatnot for, for, you know, uh, you know, runners and whatnot, bikers, um, that you have to kind of keep, you know, the carbohydrates are very, very fast burning. So you got to keep eating more and more and more. So fats, um, you know, we can, our bodies can burn, burn fats for fuel as well. We do need some carbohydrates, but not nearly as many as, as we eat on a regular basis. Um, fats actually have um, about two and a quarter times more calories per unit than, than carbohydrates do. And they also burn much differently. They burn much, much more slowly. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, putting a big oak log on a fire, you know, you're going to, you're going to get in a, a kind of an overnight burn, slow burn on that thing. Whereas, whereas, uh, you know, using carbohydrates for fuel, it's like throwing a handful of kindling on that fire and it's going to give you a, a really big hit of energy and it's going to, and then it's going to uh, taper off very, very quickly. Um, so the idea of, of metabolic uh, flexibility is, is really our body 
body's ability to burn, you know, each of those fuels um, uh, based on our exertion levels and what we're what we're actually doing. So, um, you know, sort of longer term, more endurance style hiking in the mountains and, and slower pace running and whatnot, lower exertion um, uh, pursuits, uh, really burning fat for fuel is is kind of what we were designed to do. Now, because of the way we eat in this country, which is again, you know, generally speaking for most people, it's a lot of carbs, almost most people exclusively carbohydrates, you know, a little meat, a little protein thrown in and whatnot. But um, we've sort of trained our bodies to really focus on and burn those carbohydrates pretty efficiently. Um, and, you know, that also goes to, you know, speaks to because, because they're so, so fast burning, um, they can create cravings really quickly and, and you know, um, want to get too far into that. But but in general, um, what, what Ryan and I um, really are big proponents of is, is being metabolically flexible. So, so in, in the mountains, if you are, you know, you're hiking for, you know, three, four or five days in a row, you've got, you know, we're, we're, we eat pretty, you know, pretty high amounts of fat, um, you know, kind of quite a bit of protein in the mountains too. And generally speaking, um, you know, low to moderate uh, levels of carbohydrates. And so, you know, I, I know um, keto and ketosis and whatnot is sort of a, a four letter word. It's everywhere you look on the internet these days. Um, but, you know, really the idea of, of, you know, eating higher amounts of fat, kind of moderate protein um, and, and low carbohydrates particularly for performance in the mountains, you're really getting a lot of benefits, you know, just with that slow burning fuel, you're not going to bonk. Um, and even, even, I mean, this, and, and this, this point right here, I think should sell this idea to most people. Um, even, even the leanest person has some body fat stores. I mean, if, even if you've got 8% body fat, 10% body fat, I mean, you've got, you know, a, a lot of caloric energy stores and that's what body fat is. It's, it's, it's stores of energy, you know, in, in your body. And so when you teach your body, how to how to utilize and burn the fats for fuels more efficiently you're you're pretty much going to do away with bonking you're going to have an onboard fuel source i mean yes you're going to be eating food as you go but you've also got this built-in onboard fuel source of, of your stored body fat and so so you know becoming building metabolic flexibility or becoming metabolically flexible is actually reteaching your body how to switch back and forth you know, like on demand, you know, based on exertion levels. Um, and so, you know, there, there's different ways you can sort of measure that. Um, but uh, Ryan and I kind of like to use heart rate. It's just works pretty well for people. So anytime you you go above your exertion rate goes above 150 beats per minute, um, you, you're sort of tend to towards burning more carbohydrates. Anytime you can stay at 150 or lower, generally speaking, you're going to, you're going to be burning fats for fuel. So that that's, you know, something as, as you go along, you kind of keep that in mind. Mind and and as you're training and whatnot, um, and so you know again it's it's really because of the way we eat in this country and and you know we've we've again taught our bodies how to burn really carbohydrates very efficiently and we're very very good at it. Um, that's you know we, we tend to most of us tend to go that way when when we when we're in the mountains and you know unless you unless unless you can bring enough along enough calories in carbohydrates, which again is much more difficult because you know fats just are more calorically dense right? There's just more calories per unit of, of fats than carbohydrates. So packing, say backpacking food and whatnot, if you, if you want to get to that certain uh, caloric threshold, it's much easier to do with, with fats than it is with carbohydrates. So you're going to be carrying a bunch more carbohydrates than, than you would fats. And so that's, that's, we, we've incorporated that idea into our meals too. Our meals are, are, you know, first of all, you'll look at the back of the package and you'll see our calorie content is 
twice, at least twice what most commercially available uh, freeze-dried backpacking meals are. And that's because of the, really the fat content. Um, and, and so to go back a little bit um, to kind of, you know, what, what part of our program is, our, our, our backcountry prep, uh, program is um, kind of as you go along and do your workout on a year-round basis. We're also asking to asking folks to to you know try to train your body to become more metabolically flexible. And kind of the way to do that, um, just really quickly, there's there's kind of a, a a lot of different ways to do that. But generally speaking, you wanna you wanna kind of eat fewer carbohydrates and kind of increase your fat intake. Um, you know that that you can do sort of overall with with all your all your meals and whatnot. Um, and, and then also fasting and especially fasted workouts. So we, we want to really give our bodies a reason to burn fast, right? And, and to do that, we want to kind of do away with some of the carbohydrates. Um, and, you know, also our, our carbohydrates are stored when we eat carbohydrates, um, you know, we, 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 um, we store them in our muscles um, and, and other tissues. And we, we, we only can store so much. I believe it's somewhere around 2000 calories of, of, you know, glycogen that we can store in our muscle tissues, right? And so we can run out of that very very quickly so once we do that we so, so we train in a fasted state we haven't eaten anything we're going to preferentially burn those glycogen stores right and so we sort of force our body then to to start burning fats for fuel um you know that that whole process and the, the more we do that you know, the, the more metabolically flexible we become. So our body goes, Oh, okay. So, so we're, we're, we get a really high intensity workout. We burn all those, all that glycogen stores. Um, and then, and then we're forced to start burning fats for fuel and our bodies kind of adapt to that physiologically. And so at, at, after a point, you know, whether it be, you know, a month, a couple of months, six months or whatever, our bodies become much more efficient at making that transition and that switch um, in the moment, whether we're climbing up a mountain, we, we, we shoot an elk and we got to pack it out. Now we may need, we may need some carbohydrates in there, but we've also got all that fat on board already that we're burning as we go. So in general, that's, that's the idea of, of, of metabolic flexibility and how we kind of get there. Um, Ryan, did I miss anything there? I think you covered it pretty well. I think um, just to put some numbers on that, um, it's been a while since we worked out that calculation. So I can't remember exactly, but I, I know we, we outlined it in the course, but you know, Mike's talking about the, the stored body fat that we all carry on us already. And so you know, let's just take a 200 pound person for easy math at 10% body fat. Um, that means that that individual, despite being, leaner than most is still going to be carrying 20 pounds of body fat on them. Um, fat has nine calories per gram. Carbohydrates have four calories per gram. And so when Mike said 2.25, that's where that number comes from. Right. Um, and, and I'll come back to that in a minute, but, um, you know, if you've got 20 pounds of fat, um, if somebody has a calculator, you do 200 or I'm, um, yeah, 20 pounds would be 20 times 454. So that's grams per pound. So now we know how many grams of fat that you have uh, on your frame. Then you multiply that by nine. Now you know how many calories you're carrying in what should be accessible energy stored for later use. That's all body fat is. Um, but as Mike was saying, if somebody is not metabolically flexible, um, I like to think of it as a, a toggle, like a, a light switch. Can you go, how well can your body go back and forth between fuel sources? And so if you run out of carbohydrates, can you immediately 
uh, switch to fat as a fuel source? And for most people, the answer to that is no. And the way that, that we can easily prove that, as Mike said, is that there's an entire industry built on energy gels and goos. Uh, watch a Snickers commercial and they say, you know, if, if, if you're bonking or crashing, you just need more sugar, eat another Snickers bar. Um, so, you know, that that's one of the reasons that we feel like metabolic flexibility is invaluable in the mountains. It's also incredibly important if you're worried about your health. Um, and then back to, you know, earlier, we, we talked about, you know, Ryan was highlighting, especially with, with the cameraman, that switch to more nutrient-dense foods. And, and even when we look at caloric density, we're talking about how many calories can you get in a particular bundle of food. And so in the mountains, we want to do the opposite of what you might do for weight loss, right? And, and so for weight loss, you might say you want to eat foods that are not calorically dense. So think about an entire bowl of spinach, right? Like how much, uh, how many calories are in a bag of spinach? And, and if you put that into a bowl, how big is that, right? And then you look at maybe a tablespoon of peanut butter, which in comparison is, is tiny and it has 90 calories. So there's more calories in that tablespoon of peanut butter than an entire bag of spinach. So one is calorically dense. The other is not calorically dense. Um, and when we look at, say, packing for the backcountry, you know, if guys are weighing their food kit, they want to say, how much food am I taking with me? Um, you know, Mike was saying that 2.25 times the calories per unit, that unit is a gram. So if I've got 100 grams of carbohydrates, there's four calories per gram. So I've got 400 calories. So 100 gram of carbs is going to give me 400 calories. That same 100 grams of fat is going to give me 900 calories. So I can get 2.25 times the amount of calories at the same pack weight if I'm focusing on fats as opposed to carbs. And that's another huge reason that we want to prioritize fats in our kids. You know, I think to make it even maybe even a little simpler, um, I believe it's a, a pound of fats, about 3,500 calories, if, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, and so you multiply that by by the relatively lean person that's that's dragging up, you know, 20 pounds of fat with 3,500 calories for each pound of fat. You're dragging those calories and those are usable calories. Those are there's no difference between those. Cal I mean, there is, but well, <laughs> that's a whole different kind of thing. But caloric, just just from the perspective of calories, you're dragging up, you know, 20 pounds times 3,500 calories up the mountain anyway. So why wouldn't you teach your body how to use? I mean, that's, that's almost a full day's worth of food, right? So why wouldn't you teach your body how to use that and be able to access that when you're going up there and you're, and you're up there in the mountains for a week? I mean, it's just, you know, you're, you're dragging food anyway, and, and it's all, <laughs> you know, it's on your body. So you might as well be able to use it. I feel like you guys do this all the time. you like, don't pack enough food and then you spend two days starving and still doing your hunting not coming out and you finally get to food well inevitably and like, we, neither are you ingredient fasting at some point yeah, yeah. Sure. they're like it takes a little longer they're thought, they carried all their food in and then they're eating their lean body mass for a couple of days yeah. yeah so yeah so um no you guys explained that really well i am curious though uh for you two what Give me an example of what's in your day pack for food. Like say you're, you're packing in for five days, you got five days worth. Um, 
on any given day? Like what are, what are some of the things that you guys have in your bag from breakfast to, to dinner? This is going to be very different. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I can, I can tell you what mine is and nobody's going to replicate it. And then Mike will give you some stuff that people might actually do. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm used to being a weirdo. I will do things that like I'm, I'm pure function. I don't care about flavor. Like I will, I will eat dry protein powder. Um, yeah, not you're that that's eating what pemmican there, in those keto bars or something. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I will do I, I will do homemade pemmican. Um, so um, I think there's something that we've we've actually communicated with you guys about um, on social media before. But every time I harvest an animal, um, I will keep the heart and the liver, and I get that ground into the burger. Um, and so when I do the homemade pemmican, I will brown burger in a skillet and then I dehydrate it, um, put it in a food processor and then I'll mix it with, um, tallow, pork rinds, um, a couple other things so that it's like keto macros. And so I'll put it in a little bag and it ends up being about 40 grams of protein and 50 grams of fat per serving. Um, and so I'll eat that for one or two meals a day. Um, and then that depends on whether or not I have our meals. Um, now that we have our meals, I'll usually do like one pemmican and one of our meals. Um, and then I'll do protein powder twice a day, um, just because it's easy and fast. Um, and then with that, I'll have packets of nut butters, uh, like coconut butter. There's a couple of brands of, of nut butters that I buy, like ultra fat, super fat. Um, you know, but basically what I'm looking at there is, you know, 50 grams of fat from two tiny little packets that each one weighs, you know, maybe 30 grams. Um, and uh, I'll, I like these things called keto bricks. Um, it's a, yeah, it's obviously, obviously a keto company, but um, it's a 150 gram brick and it has a thousand calories in it. Um, and it's a little bit larger than a bar of soap. Um, so, I mean, right there, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, 3,500, maybe 4,000 calories a day. Uh, and it weighs somewhere in the range of one and a half pounds. Um, and I mean, I can, I can do that for 10 or 14 days in a row and, and doesn't bother me. Um, I'm like, I mean, like I said, I can just do that on end. So I think other people are like, like I need variety and so I don't know, maybe Mike can give you some variety. Your, your day bag is, uh, sounds very similar to, uh, Mike Munsell. We, we brought him on mm. one time. Um, he had the keto bricks. He had some, um, dehydrated liver. I think, mm. I think I it was, think it liver, was right? liver, right? It was, yeah. It was liver jerky. Not uh, as good as pemmican. Yeah. Even grosser. <laughs> yeah. But he did great. He did great. You know, he would, uh, he would eat those keto bars and it, it, you're right. It looks like bar soap. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we were, we were really curious as far as how he would do endurance wise on a trip like that, but no, he, he did mm -hmm. phenomenal. But so. he also does keto. I that's think his, that's maybe that's something world. too, to say here is like, you probably don't want to well, experiment on this. If you've never been doing keto, you don't yeah, want to take keto bricks up there. Right. Cause I mean, if you're not right. metabolically flexible, you're going to be in a world of hurt if you can't transition to fat. Right. And that's right. And, and that's, that's the whole reason for the conversation around metabolic flexibility. Um, I mean, it's just like, like Mike said earlier, it's like, you know, if, 
you wouldn't go physically, you wouldn't expect to go in the mountains without training and preparing. Um, you know, so on a diet standpoint, if you're, if you're going to eat in a way that's, that you've never eaten before, why would you want to do that in the back country where you're miles away from civilization? And, you know, if you don't respond well to it, what are you going to do? So you need to know how you're going to respond to those things. Absolutely. Yeah. I preach that all the time because it is surprising how many folks go in with all these new foods. Like they, they eat a certain way throughout the year and then they have their, their Olympics. They've got their, their week <laughs> off and they're going into the mountains and, and they go down to REI. They bring all this new food in, um, completely changed diet. And inevitably what happens? I mean, if you talk to nine out of 10 guys that are just starting out, gut issues are a major factor mm-hmm. in the mountains, mm-hmm. bloating gas. It's just so common. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of it. Just new foods something they're not used right. to yeah i mean that that and certainly a lot of the the crap that's in some of the freeze-dried meals and whatnot Absolutely. you look you look at some of the ingredients in those things and it's it's not food <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a bunch of chemicals and stuff so yeah yeah and it's sort of become a kind of a the running joke you know in, in the in the hunting space is that oh, yeah, i'm eating this and i got my stomach's all messed up and ha 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 well okay <laughs> i don't i don't find that funny in the least when i'm up there Crazy, right <laughs> Yeah, those are not the guys that are staying in there. Those are the guys that are getting kicked out because mm-hmm. their mindset turns into like, I don't feel good. I got to get out of here, you That's know, right. or they're bonking. Yeah, once their guts mm-hmm. blow up, um, yeah. that quickly goes to the head and they, mm-hmm. they can easily check out and, and figure a reason to stomp out of the mountains. Very yeah. quickly, so. And some people too, I'll say with keto, like keto is great for brain health. Like there's a lot of really important indications for eating a higher fat diet. There's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it, but there's also some people that genetically cannot transition well. So there's actually genes that control whether or not mm-hmm. you can run off fat, run off carbohydrate. Yep. And so you'll notice there's these people that try it and they just can never really get <clears throat> like over the keto flu or whatever. They just mm-hmm. feel absolutely horrible every time they try it. And so it's not a hundred percent for everybody. I think that oh, no. the problem that it's happened with keto becoming, um, Oh, it looks like we lost Ryan. Um, uh, with keto becoming a, um, you know, a fad mm-hmm. is that it suddenly becomes like, Oh, well, everybody can do keto. So everybody <laughs> should be doing keto. And, it's, I think it's helpful to one, work with a dietary coach or, you know, someone like you or a doctor. I mean, somebody who understands it and understands the symptoms and also make sure the patient is doing it right. Because mm-hmm. some people think they're eating high fat and they're eating like cheese and like bacon all day long. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they're not eating the appropriate fats maybe um, because cheese and bacon are and process differently than like a coconut or an olive polyunsaturated mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. plant fats or whatever. So um, I think I think it gets tricky, but you know there are people who really it doesn't do well for. I mean, and there's just but you know it's a it's, un- it's unfortunate that it's become sort of so much of a fad because you know I really truly eating a ketogenic diet is, is not easy. And, and it's generally for most people, it's not really sustainable. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I, I think Ryan too, both of us sort of are cyclically keto. We use it as a tool within the scope of our overall sort of diet, you know, nutrition plan year round. Um, I, you know, I, when I first just started doing that eight or nine years ago, you know, I, I spent quite a bit of time in ketosis, but then at some point, you know, my body was just like, this is not working for you anymore. And so I had to modify 
the way I did it. And, and, um, you know, and, and the other part of it is, you know, people say, oh, I'm, I'm keto, I'm eating keto and this, I'm on a keto diet. Well, very few of those people are actually on the keto diet are actually, are actually eating keto. Most of those people at best are eating low carb. And, and there's a difference between, you know, eating fewer carbohydrates, eating low, low carb and eating keto on keto, you know, you're talking about 75% or more of your calories from fat. I mean, that's, and that, that, I mean, people don't, can't really conceptualize what that means. You know, I mean, that, that is a lot of fat every single day, you know, and really, you know, that's why for most people, that's not really a sustainable thing. Um, you know, I do it for, I, I try to go in the mountains, mostly keto. Um, I I'm cyclically keto year round, just, just to maintain metabolic flexibility. And, and sometimes, I mean, I just feel really good. My brain works really good, but then I also listen to my body and it tells me like, Hey, you need, you need, a few, you know, a few more carbs. Now you need to kind of, you know, and I'm, I'm very particular about, and of course, Ryan is as well about, you know, the kind of carbs, what we're eating. We're not, you know, we're just not eating pasta and bread and whatnot for our carbs. We, we, you know, I want something that actually, um, it, it doesn't spike insulin quite as much. Um, you know, it's, it's going to actually help me maintain that metabolic flexibility. So I'm, we, we, we use stuff like, you know, um, uh, certainly vegetables and squash and sweet potatoes and yams and things like that. Um, white rice is actually a really good one. Um, another little trick too, with white rice. Um, if you, if you cook it, you, you leave out about a quarter, a half a cup of water when you cook your white, white rice and add a couple of tablespoons of coconut oil stir it in there cook cook your white rice like normal and then let it completely cool um you will you will really to a large extent minimize uh, insulin spikes from that um you're actually creating something called resistant starch um which go going back to to your your gut it, it, it uh, resistant starch one of the things it does it doesn't you can't your body can't digest it like like normal starches normal carbohydrates but your your good gut your beneficial gut bacteria can feed on that so that's another thing and we we do that with our meals that's one of the things i I mean, we've literally thought out every piece of, the, of our meals. And so how, when, when I'm making these meals, I, that's how I cook the rice. I pre-cook it, a little coconut oil, let it totally cool and then freeze dry it. And you, so you're getting some of that resistant starch, um, you know, and we've had people actually, which has been actually surprising. One of the things about these meals that I was really curious about is, can I hand it to someone who hasn't, who doesn't eat like Ryan or I and have them eat it and be fine you know, have their, have their stomach be fine. And I don't think Ryan, I don't think we've had one person complain about having stomach issues mm -hmm. with this stuff. And, you know, we put some other things in there. I mean, there's MCT powder, there's collagen powder, there's some functional mushroom stuff. And, and you know, in, in the chili, there's, there's organ meats and whatnot. So it's definitely pretty unique thing. And we have not had one person have any GI issues with our meals at all. So. Wow. Okay. So tell us how, can people get your food yet? Well, hold hold on. First off, oh. I want to hear what's in Mike's bag because oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So um, you know, it actually doesn't doesn't differ that much. My my biggest problem when I'm up there is I'm not hungry. Like when I when I go and I'm we we put on you know eight, 10, 12 miles a day or whatever, and at the end of the day, I have a hard time eating enough. So I I'll, I'll end up, you know, I shoot for personally, I shoot for around 3,800, 35 to 3,800 calories a day. And if I get through on some days, three quarters of that, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. So I, you know, and to me, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I, I gotta be a little bit careful. I think that that's, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of trying to work out and figure that out. But for me, that could be a function of, of, you know, being in ketosis. A lot of times that will, that will minimize appetite and you're, you're burning your body fat and whatnot. 
Um, so to answer your question, I've got things like packets of nut butter, um, nuts. So I make a, a kind of a trail mix with, with macadamia nuts and some, uh, so a little bit of freeze dried fruit and some, some good dark chocolate and things like that. Um, certainly our meals, um, I take pemmican occasionally, but you know, really I'm doing and, and bars, I do a lot of different bars and, and I've sort of, I've, <laughs> I've vetted dozens and dozens of different types of bars. A lot of them out there suck. A lot of them out there I won't even touch uh, just because of what's in them. But I've got, you know, a handful of them that I feel good about and that it's got the, the macronutrient ratios that I'm looking for and that are palatable, tasty and whatnot. So, you know, I'll do, I'll do a bar um, with some nut butter on it, something like that. Um, and to kind of at the moment, what I'm doing to kind of get around the lack of hunger is I will use um, things like an exogenous ketone supplement. Now, I don't necessarily want to, uh, uh, you know, recommend that to average people because it's kind of a, you know, an upper level thing. It's 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 a little bit. You got to be a little bit careful with those things. But essentially, you know, essentially it's it's the it's the keto, the fat burning burning equivalent of a goo pack, right? So so in a goo pack, it's, it's all sugar, right? So you're giving yourself this huge bolus of of, of carbohydrates, uh, glycogen. Or, or uh, uh, glucose, um, and and so exogenous ketones. There's a couple of different uh, forms of them. There's a salt version, and then there's a, what they call a ketone ester version. And I carry, and Ryan carries it too for certain things. But I carry several bottles of this. So it's called it's a ketone ester, and it's basically essentially just straight ketones. And you drink that, and and it's it's a, it's an incredible energy source like that. So, you know, if I'm not really hungry, but I know that we've got you know we've got a pretty serious hike out or pack out or whatever, I'll do I'll do that, some of that, and that's how. I kind of tend to get around my, my lack of hunger issues. Um, you know, so other than that, I'm, it's pretty, it's pretty similar to what, what, um, what Ryan does as far as what, what's in my pack, probably just a little bit less. And I try to have to force it down more. Or less. <laughs> That's really interesting. Cause I'm, when we go on packs, Ryan packs all this food, like you need this, you know, I'm always like, that's so much food. Like I can't eat all that food. And I don't have that hunger. Like he has, I don't get that, but then I will bonk like at the end of the night, like, and, well, and I that. historically have low blood sugar. Yeah, He's kind of trained himself. I think he's like, you better eat right now. Like you need to eat some food. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not hungry. And he's like, no, you need to eat some food. So I think he's trained himself to be a little more consistent with his foods. Cause he knows like, you know, especially when we have like a full day of hiking and then we have a night pack out. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you better be eating or it's not going to be good, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, everybody's just a little bit different. I think it's to each his own, figure out what works for them. And I'm definitely different than Hill. Um, I hunt with quite a few folks now and we're all different. What works for them doesn't work for me. Um, like you guys, I've introduced a lot more fats into my daily um, at home and as well as in the mountains. So coconut oil is seems to find its way into every little nook and cranny of what we're eating up there these days. So women, women in general tend to kind of need a few more carbs and maybe some higher, I mean, you know, particularly for the hormonal kind of stuff that, that those yeah. carbohydrates, carbohydrates are pretty important for, you know, when it comes to your guys's meals, I'm curious, like you guys mentioned, you even add, you're even adding, um, and I've seen on your deal, uh, on your social, like some cordyceps to your meals and things like that. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the meals. Like what's, uh, What's the the range? You doing breakfast? You doing just dinners? You doing 
How do those stack up? Yeah. So, you know, at, at the moment we're basically in startup mode we're trying to, we've got, we've got four meals right now. Um, uh, one could be considered a, a breakfast. So it's biscuits and gravy, but it's, a, it's actually a keto biscuits and gravy, um, nice. you know, al- almond flour for the biscuits good. and what is it's actually, yeah, it's quite good. Um, and then, and then um, three other meals we're doing, of course, the chili, no beans, um, just, just meat and, you know, um, all the, all the goodness, organ meats and stuff. Um, and then we're doing a, a turkey, uh, turkey rice turkey mushroom rice kind of soup and then a, and then a spicy salmon chowder um and believe it or not the salmon chowder has been the the most popular one people love that thing um i, I thought i thought it just sounded weird and it was pretty people weren't going to go for it but people are loving that thing um so and yeah all of them all of them have um uh, uh mct powder in it the mct medium triglyceride oil powder in them um they've got collagen um and then yeah the functional mushrooms like cordyceps and lion's mane um you know and cordyceps has some has some pretty solid use case and research around it for you know oxygen utilization and you know, particular altitude and whatnot um and then lion's mane um has some some really good effects on our brain our neuro- neurochemistry and increases something called BD- bdnf and so can increase cognition and things like that so um you know and then the calories you know, MCTs, uh, MCTs um, uh, are sort of a different kind of fat, the medium chain triglycerides, they are actually um, uh, uh, digested and metabolized a little bit differently than regular fats, they actually sort of bypass most of the processes and are, are shunted directly to your liver where your liver makes them directly into ketones. So it's almost like a, a ketone supplement, um, you know, and, and so that, you know, increases the, the caloric density and, and you know, um, so you, your brain actually really really likes to run on ketones for the most part too so it can kind of keep you keep you sharp and keep that mindset where it needs to be and whatnot too so so yeah you know all the ingredients were, were you know organic you know as locally sourced as we can get them um you know and and just super high quality you no know, preservatives nothing like that we try to try to keep sodium levels down to reasonable levels <laughs> um you know you can look at like most of the meals on the market and they're like you know so much sodium and whatnot yeah it's tons so um, mm-hmm. oh they sound great are you so i'm assuming you guys are going to how far are you guys going to take this you guys going to build this lineup to several other meals um snacks well, all things included first of all mike said they're all pretty good he's being incredibly <laughs> modest <laughs> they're they're phenomenal for sure <laughs> um you know to answer your question i think um we're not sure um yeah th- there are some real scaling challenges that we're looking at right now and you know we've had um our our plan for this year um 2022 was to do a few kind of limited edition drops as we had enough inventory um you know rather than just having open anytime purchasing available on the website um and when we did the first one we got a lot of really great feedback we got the attention of you know, some pretty big outlets and I honestly had to tell them no, because we just don't feel like we could meet that demand right now. Um, so we've got to figure out the, like the actual business side of scaling that and, and make some of those decisions. Um, my phone battery might be dying soon. Um, <laughs> but, um, if we can figure that out, um, or I guess when we figure that out, we'll kind of know like how big we want to go with it. Um, yeah. And Mike, anything you would add to that? 
Yeah. I mean, you know, ideally, yeah, we'd add, we'd add a, a full range. I mean, we've looked at some other things um, like snacks, you know, like on the trail type stuff that you don't have to, you know, put hot water in and whatnot. Um, um, oh, I just want to mention real quick, the other really cool thing that, that we've sort of were educated on by our, by our customers is that our, our meals um, take a lot less water. So people are using like three, four, three or four ounces of water to rehydrate these things. And that's enough. Um, so you're not having to use, you know, you know, eight, 10, 12 ounces of water. So that's, a, that's another big deal too. But yeah, I mean, I, I think in an ideal world, um, you know, we'd be, we'd, we'd, we'd have, you know, half a dozen, uh, dinners, you know, three or four breakfasts, you know, and then, and then, you know, some snack type stuff, whether it's bars or whether it's the like little fat bombs or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, we, we would like to really cover, you know, um, the, the whole, you know, be able to hand you like, here's your, here's your, you know, week long, you know, pack of, of food and you're, you're dialed and you don't, you know, you've got everything, including some electrolytes, you know, that you can put in your water and, you know, all that different stuff. So we'd love to get to that point. Um, you know, again, yeah, it's just the, the, the challenges of scaling a food business or, <laughs> you know, and, and we're really trying to do yeah, it. We, we're trying to, yeah, yeah. Um, with the supplements or whatever, but it's, it's tough, um, you know, and doing it, you know, in particular with, without, you know, borrowing a bunch of money from someone who's going to want it back real quick. Well, is- you guys are like, <laughs> you got some air neurons going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. Like scaling a business, especially in the consumer goods, consumables, um, and the manufacturing process is like cost of goods, especially since COVID, like everything is just more. And, you know, sometimes, if you're making enough to make it work for you, going big sounds really glamorous until you realize what you have to do to go big. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the stress, like we've been talking about stress, this whole entire podcast is like Mm -hmm. the stress of that. Sometimes you got to balance like life work balance, you know, and even, you know, like Ryan and I, with our product company, we looked into food and we've sold some food before, but like doing it ourselves, it's, um, and we've talked to other people that have had food companies. It's quite a, a, a task you've taken on, especially just even to get it okayed by like, get through the process of getting it like okay yeah. to put in a package itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> food yeah. is, like food is almost harder than supplements. I yeah, think. Sourcing the clean it's, ingredients. Um, yeah. And sourcing things. Yeah pretty intense yeah but kudos to you if yeah. you can make it work and the industry is always needing good better healthier cleaner oh, I love foods it. I love it because there's that's yeah. also tailored more towards this keto this and has all these adaptogens in it and has the you know the healthy things that people need to keep going up there yeah really- no, i'm really hoping you guys uh are able to pull through and get this thing off the ground and yeah. going strong because yeah our community needs it for sure and i think they're craving it they uh um, mm-hmm. they're always wanting to go cleaner if you guys can do it man all the best I'd love to see yeah, it so yeah i can't wait to try some a big part of it certainly is educating people on why you know and then that's you know obviously we've talked about that through this whole this whole conversation but that's a that's a big piece of what what ryan and i are really passionate about is you know you you, you can tell somebody all day long but then until you get them out there and and, and get them in that position to, to, to use some of the tools that we're providing i mean it, it's a, it's a game changer i mean truly i know that that's that phrase is overused but you know even even you know 20 somethings that start to do things a little bit better and eat better food and you know uh, start to think about mindset a little bit and, and certainly recover 
salary. Um, you know, it, it just, it changes the way you operate in the mountains. It changes what your abilities and what you're able to do. I mean, it's, it's really um, incredibly impactful um, to everything uh, about what you do, you know, day to day and on hunts and, and trips, you know, so. Why don't we kind of sum this up here? We've been on for almost two hours now. I told you guys, it's hard <laughs> to do a podcast in an hour. With us. It is. So give us some final words on yourself, like where we can find you, Ryan. I know you do a podcast in the past. You've got your book. Like, please tell us where people can get a hold of you if they want to. Sure. Um, don't look at my Instagram right now. It's hacked and there's no... Uh, positive end in sight for that um oh my god <laughs> yeah it's a it's a crypto scam right now um but eventually maybe that would get fixed so i'm easy to find on instagram uh website is just ryanmuncie.com the book f your feelings is there it's on amazon it's on audible um and then our stuff that we're doing together fuel the pursuit uh it's just the web- website is fuel the um and then we've got three instagram channels um at fuel the pursuit underscore is sort of the main channel um and that's pursuit agnostic kind of going for that rei vibe uh, and then we have fuel the pursuit hunting and fuel the pursuit fishing um, and those are a little bit more tailored to those specific pursuit pursuits great awesome and your book is really good by the way I was like, Dude, this guy's smart. Like I said, your title's misleading because the book is actually really thought provoking and um, excellent information. I think that everybody can benefit from listening to, if you want to learn more about yourself and how your brain works and just how to, um, yeah, how to like get out of your head too. I don't and- see anything wrong with the title, by the way. I know. I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything. No, what I, I mean. Love the title. I think you said more. What I mean is when people see it, I think they think like when you see a title like that. It's a like, low okay, brow title. And it's I am an educated book. person. Did your wife not tell you the same thing? Did she not tell you like that yeah, sounds like yeah. a redneck, stupid well, title I, for somebody so smart and brilliant writing an amazing book? That's something well, I so here's. Here's the, here's the dichotomy of me. I went to high school where you like you could literally see the Appalachian Trail from my high school. So I grew up. I am a redneck. I don't have a problem saying I'm a redneck, but I'm also <laughs> I can I can hang out in the mountains with bow hunters, but I can also go talk neuroscience with lab coats and researchers. And so, you know what? We'll give you a lowbrow title. We'll we'll get you hooked in. You know, it's it's like the fitness magazines that have the the you know the the cover the tag on the front it's you know um you know flat belly foods or whatever right like yeah yeah. (laughs) and then and then once once we like we we get you we get you in under the pretense of f your feelings and then it's you know neuroscience well it works for guys like guys like ryan that's the title they need to read this book because ryan will probably start listening to this book and be like wow this guy's smarter than i thought he was gonna be (laughs) it's it's self-talk i say it to myself all the time so yeah Yeah. we used to say that all the time before we have kids now ryan yells at people who say those words in front of his children (laughs) what are you talking (laughs) there's children in the room and i'm like (laughs) mike 
Um, so of course, uh, the, the Fuel the Pursuit channels, you can get a hold of me as well. Um, and then my, my website, um, and my coaching business is U-Cubed Coaching, but it's spelled out uh, Y-O-U-3Coaching.com, U-3Coaching.com. So you can find me there as well. And yeah, we, we try to, we both try to stay very available through Fuel the Pursuit, both on, you know, social channels and, um, and the, the website as well. So people can email us and ask us questions and, you know, or DM us through Instagram or whatever. So yeah, we tend to be pretty available there. Okay. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. Time flies when sure you're does. learning stuff, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having us on, guys. Yeah, yeah. Really good yeah, to chat with you. I appreciate it. <laughs>